Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we have mental health conversations with transparency. Today, I'm recording from home as we are still abiding by shelter-in-place orders. When you are finished listening to this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Reviews are everything. Today, I am very happy to have on Cheryl Gould, who is a parenting expert and author who has been coaching moms for over 15 years. She's the founder of Moms of Tweens and Teens, an international organization supporting moms to grow in their self-awareness, become more effective parents, and build stronger connections with their adolescents and families. Recently, she has written a book, SOS, a technology guidebook for parents of tweens and teens, and then another one due out this summer, You Are Not Crazy, You're Not a Bad Parent, and No, Your Teen Really Doesn't Hate You. Welcome, Cheryl. Oh, thank you, Cheryl, for having me. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you on. I'm so happy to do a deep dive with you about all things technology, social media, all of that, especially right now while we are all essentially on lockdown in a pandemic. Wow. That's, it's like, wow, wow, wow. It's a lot. And I was reading your newsletter about the losses that you just sent out. And I thought it was so well said. We are grieving. There are so many different losses. My moms in my community are talking about, I mean, this is impacting all of us in similar ways, but also very different ways. And it's a time that we really need encouragement, we need community, and we need to know that we're not alone in all of this. I totally agree. When you when we originally talked about you coming on, this was before we've really hit this this height where everything really is surrounding being locked down, homeschooling kids. But I want to talk both about your book because it's so important. I read it cover to cover, so practical. And, you know, it's not very often that I read something that I really fully agree with, like in every way. There's lots of things where I'm like, wow, I loved it and I agreed with some of it. But in your book, I really was like, wow, we're really aligned in how we view how to manage technology with kids from a really values-based perspective. So I'm excited to talk about that. But I also want to talk about this uh, blog that you wrote on your blog, which I'm assuming is, is it, what is it? Is it tweensandteens.com? Yes. Momsoftweensandteens.com. Momsoftweensandteens.com. So one of the big things I got is here are eight things to remember when it comes to our tweens and teens during COVID-19 pandemic. We're going to talk about all things screen time. Do you want to start with your blog or do you want to start with your book? What makes more sense to you? We could start with the book. I think. And thank you, by the way, for that, that affirmation. I'm just thrilled to hear that you related to it and that we're aligned in it because I tried to write the book from the perspective of how we can build a stronger relationship with our kids so much. And I'll just kind of launch into the book. So much of technology, it causes us as parents anxiety. We hear all the horrible stories and there's so much to monitor and we're, it's a totally new world dealing with technology with our kids. So there's a lot of anxiety that we have around this and we tend to react out of that fear and that anxiety. So I talk about some of the mistakes that we make when it comes to our kids' technology And one of those, the first one, is we make technology the enemy. But with COVID-19, it's interesting because it's our friend. It's still we, you know, and that's confusing. It's like our friend, we're so grateful for it now. And yet we still have this 
challenge and the struggle when our kids want to be on their devices 24-7. So it's this whole balancing act that we're having now of what does that, moms are saying, what does that look like? Well, you talk, you start your book off with the five most common mistakes that parents make when approaching the idea of technology and social media. So, and I think that making technology the enemy is maybe one of the five mistakes. Can you talk about what the most common mistakes are and then how we can start thinking about that right now in a time where you're exactly right. Technology is everything right now. It's connecting us. It's keeping people's livelihoods going. It's keeping social relationships going. So I want everybody to know though the top five common mistakes because I so agree with them and then how we can like re-script that for right now. Okay, great. I'm going to actually even look at it because I when I was going through this, I was thinking about it before you interviewed me and these five most common mistakes we make in uh, how it relates to COVID-19. So hopefully I'll try and weave those those together. So we make, I, like I said, the first one, we make technology the enemy. When it comes to our kids making a poor choice that doesn't even have to do with technology, what's one of the first things that we want to do? We want to take the phone away. We want to take that connection. We, we don't think of it that way. We just think that's the easy go-to. That's what means so much to our kids. And so we can end up wrestling. I, I talk about in the book how I would wrestle my daughter <laughs> to, you know, over the phone, trying to grab it. And that never felt good. But that can be the first thing that we want to take away from our kids. And so that's a real mistake we make. And right now, especially, we can end up making that mistake. But that's how they're even more than normal. That's how they're connecting with all their friends. So I would say that is the first mistake that we make. And I go into more detail in the book. Number two, we overreact out of fear. It depends on the age of our kid, of course, on what this is going to look like. So when you first give your kid a cell phone, of course, you're going to have to, we, in the book, I give the cell phone contracts and the social media contract and how we can have these dialogues with our kids. But what we often do is because we're reacting out of fear, we don't have the conversations so it leads to a power struggle with our kids. It, it's not leading to the connection when we're reacting out of that fearful place. And I go into a little bit more detail about that. And we just want to clamp down and control things and interrupt me if you feel like you want to. <laughs> and then number three, we don't set limits and boundaries. And that relates also to number five, where we don't want to upset our kids. And I find that with moms that they don't want to upset their kids. They don't want to talk about boundaries. And I write this out of my own experience too, of what I have struggled with and what I see other moms struggling with, but they don't set limits and boundaries because they're afraid of upsetting their kids. And yet we need to have boundaries. We need to have that face-to-face -face connection and that time as a family. And we, our kids need those limits because they don't know how to manage that. They don't know how to manage their social, their social media world uh, without our help and guidance. And then also we get hooked in the power struggles. So that's very common apart from technology with our tweens and teens especially is when we're trying to set the boundaries and they don't like it, what we do that's and the mistake that we make, and we all do this, 
is we try to convince them of why it's right. We try to convince them of why they need boundaries. And then they're going to push up against that. And then that creates a power struggle. So the premise of the book is how can we be having these conversations with our kids up front, talking about it, getting them to check in with how they're feeling, where they feel like they can come to us if something is happening uh, that's making them uncomfortable or they see somebody get bullied or they're getting bullied where they can actually come to us and talk about it. Yeah. And when I hear you talk, I think to myself, whether you have an existing contract, if you do, you probably need to rewrite one right now. If you never had a contract, but wanted some sort of guidance, this is a great time to say, you know, we're a couple weeks into this. We probably are going to have a couple more weeks or months of this. Let's really talk about how this should look. And I thought that your article gave some really good tips around if thens, you know, if you do this, then you can do this. You know, maybe it's if you do 30 minutes of work, whatever it's going to be like these, if then kinds of models, a way of saying, let, I'm going to be reasonable. This is our, a temporary contract for now, because this is a temporary situation. We don't know an end date, but we know that it's temporary. Life isn't always going to be like this. So let's talk about now. What do you think about that? Do you think that now is a good time to either create or recreate contracts and agreements with your, your tween or teen about their social media use and their technology use? Well, I think that it's a good conversation to have with our kids. It's a good conversation to say, how are you doing? How are your friends doing with all this? Sometimes it's easier for them to talk about their friends than it is themselves. You know, how do they feel that they don't get to play baseball right now? Or how do you feel that you're, you're missing your dance classes? That's got to be tough having them talk about those things. And then I think moving into that and what's helping you right now, it seems like it's technology is helping you to connect with your friends. So you're coming at it from not from a negative, but from a positive perspective with like, I'm in this with you because I know I'm on my phone. I'm on my phone quite a bit anyway, because of that. I'm sure you are Cheryl too, because of what we do, but I'm on it even more than I have been. I'm zooming with friends and and so I'm trying to connect. We all are that way. And so I think we would all agree how important that is. I think it's less right now about taking it away, but it's more about adding in other things, which I say in that article, which actually is from Hey Sigmund. Karen Young talks about that. And I put it in my own words, but I love that. She says, rather than taking it away right now, what can you add in? So adding in playtime, adding in going for a walk as a family, adding in cooking together, adding in taking, taking breaks just to decompress versus just taking it away. And that's when the, uh, or when you, then you, that is a whole other kind of thing that we do with post-it notes where you can help your kids help you out with chores and that kind of thing. And so when you do uh, 30 minutes of your math homework, then you can have an hour of gaming or an hour or two hours. And then in order to earn more, then you have to do, you know, you have to do the dishes or take out the trash. So a couple of things that they need to do. So they're actually contributing as well because messes are huge right now <laughs> in the house, cleaning up. I don't know about you, but I've never had more dishes that I've ever done in my life, I think, than right now. Uh, well, I agree. I mean, with, with my own family, I came up with a rule about two weeks ago 
that we need to run the dishwasher at night early enough to actually put it away at night. Because for me to start the morning off with the dishwasher clean, and then all of a sudden breakfast started to pile up. There were a couple of days where I was drowning in dishes and it felt like really unbearable. So doing it this way is a lot easier. That's been my short-term solution. It doesn't work every night, but I agree. There's so much cooking, cleaning, just sweeping up the floor, laundry. It's just, it is, it's a very, very overwhelming. I love that perspective. I hope people really got that. I know you got it from someone else from Hey Sigmund, but that idea of, it's just a paradigm shift. Instead of I'm going to take something away, it's like, well, we need to make room in our lives for other healthy things um, just to stay a little well-rounded. It's just, it feels like a really nice paradigm shift. I'm glad that you shared that. In chapter five, you talk about minimizing challenges when you're deciding on ground rules. And I love how you framed it. Can you talk about how values play a role in setting these rules in general and even right now today under our unusual circumstances? Sure. It's really powerful when we can think about what do we really want? Because so often we're reacting. And we're not really thinking the long term or what we're really wanting. We're just reacting out of that fearful place. Our kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So what I find very grounding for myself and I find that can be grounding for other parents is to think about what are my values? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think that technology too, if my daughter is texting, and I'm not feeling connected to her, or I'm trying to do everything on my own, and I'm not asking for help, of course, I'm going to want to take her phone away. I'm going to feel very frustrated. But I find that I'm usually trying to control when I'm not feeling connected. So one of the values I put in the book is connection, like face-to-face time. And our kids might roll their eyes at that, tweens and teens especially, But it doesn't take a lot. It's a touch point. It's like five minutes where you can even say, you know, sit down with them, spend a little time with them. So connection would be one. What's a value? And how do I create some of that connection? Also having those phone-free zones is really important. So if you want to have connection, face-to-face time, dinner would be a good place to start. A lot of people are saying they're eating dinner now more than they ever have because they don't have all the after-school activities. So now's a perfect time to say, hey, guys, we're all going to put our phones away. We're going to stick them in a drawer. We're going to put them over here or sit on them. During dinner time. we're going to have a phone-free zone. So picking that, those places is a great start. And then also sleep's really big right now with our kids being home. I'm hearing from a lot of parents. They're saying, my kid's sleeping, especially the teenagers, my kid's sleeping until one o'clock in the afternoon. And they're staying up half the night. And so the value would be good sleep. And so talking about that, okay, sleep is really important. And my daughter actually put sleep cycle app on her phone. And she said, wow, I know just in the last three days, and I put it on mine. She said, wow, when I'm on my device before I go to bed, I notice a huge difference in the kind of sleep I'm getting. So we want to raise awareness and we don't want to just be, it's about you It's also about us. Like we start by modeling rather than trying to control our kids. What are our values? And I think that's a really good place to start. Like right now, what are my values going to be as I'm going through this? And how can I 
talk about that with my kids. Yeah. So I think to bring that to life, being clear about your values, what that means is what that looks like is there's a parent and they're talking, you know, they're approaching their tween or teen about technology right now. And they're saying, so here are our values right now. Our core values are still the same. It's really important though. We are physically around each other. Yes. All day long, but it's still a core value of us, of ours and our family to have quality connection. So in order to have quality connection, there's got to be times throughout the day where, you know, at least two of us are disengaged from technology so we can be face to face with each other. That's really important to me. Is that important to you? Or what do you think about that? It's also important that while we have these opportunities, I've had parents say to me, I never eat dinner with my whole family because they're always off doing sports. We're always running around. So people are enjoying this. This is going to be you know, probably temporary, even if it gets better when our life resumes, it will probably never be quite that seven nights a week you could eat dinner together. So, hey, we want to, you know, including me being the parent, let's just leave our phones, you know, charging or whatever in another room so we can really be connected with one, one another. So that's essentially bringing to life what you're, what you're saying. There are a way to have conversations that are very strength-based. They're loving. They're not about control. It's about living out your values and how that looks right now, especially. And I like what you said, Cheryl, about asking open-ended questions. So often we want to tell them versus ask them. And when we can invite them into the conversation and help them to come up with ideas, then they're going to be more apt to really want to lean into that. So asking, yeah, so this is a time where we have an opportunity to connect. And what do you think, when do you think we can do that? What would that look like? Get them to brainstorm some ideas. What I'll say about that as well. I don't know if you hear this a lot, but I do is a lot of time parents will set a rule or put something out there like, Hey guys, we're not going to have phones at the table anymore. And then they say, okay. And they're asking their teen or tween for permission. That's different. That's not an open-ended question. That's looking for permission or for their buy-in. So there's a subtle difference with being like rolling it out and then being like, okay, versus saying, hey, here's our value. Here's how I see that playing out when it comes to, let's say, dinner time. How do you feel about that? Is that a good time for you? You know, so there's, it's like, Pretty subtle, but one is asking for permission and one is engaging the kid. Yeah, one's leading versus, yeah, the asking for permission. So I like you. I think that's really good to differentiate between those two. Mm -hmm. But I also want to, I always have, I know moms well enough now to hear kind of what some moms that are listening right now or parents are listening well, that won't work with my kid. My kid, they're not going to like that or they're not going to want to answer or, uh, I have a son, I ask him that he gives a shoulder sh- shrug and a grunt, you know, so, so what do you do with that? And I think we have to find what works with our own kids. And for each of us, it's different. And you can invite them like just inviting it right now. If they're not, you know, not wanting to come out of their rooms, then maybe you just say, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I want to come in for five minutes and see how, you know, just sit with you. Whatever that looks like, thinking about what is going to work with your kid. And I do think we have to ask that because moms get discouraged when they hear something and then they think, oh, my kid's not going to do that. It's in, especially now it's like trial and error, like try different things, see what works. I want people to leave with with this sort of concrete answer because they're probably looking for it. Do you recommend that there are 
limits, like actual limits to screen time right now during this lockdown? Like, would you say for certain ages, you know, three hours, four hours, do you have that in your mind in terms of how you're guiding people around the pragmatics of this? I would answer that, that I think that it is, it is different depending upon the age of your kid. So you have to think about do, let's say I have a 17 year old at home. How is that? What's that going to look like with them? That's kind of where the whole conversation comes in because you can't control a 17 year old. You just can't. Now you can say what you want, what your expectations are. You can invite them into the conversation, but I talk to moms that are having a battle with their kids. And I think you can set the limit, but I think you have to have the conversation, if that makes sense. Now, when they're younger, I think you do. It's like the phone goes in the charger at, you know, nine o'clock at night. You can have that for your 16-year-old. You can have that for your 17-year-old. It goes in the charger. But I also think that we have to find out what works with our own kid. Between you and me, maybe that sounds wishy-washy. But I I do think you have to sit down and talk about it. And these are my expectations. This is what it's going to be like. But when they are older, it is trickier. It is. And I would say um, when I've been talking to people, I say, if you're going to have consequences to things, make sure they're enforceable right now because you don't want to be living in a home where you're setting rules, but then everybody knows you're not really going to enforce, you know, consequences or just enforce the actual rules. And yes, I've also talked with lots of parents and actual 16, 17 year old kids who are like, this can't be controlled. I'm doing school all day long on my computer. And then when I'm done, I'm connecting with my friends. Who's going to control this? But I think that if it makes parents feel better, don't forget about things like saying, our values don't waver. Our life looks different right now, but good nutrition, hydration, exercise, face-to-face communication with your family members, those things still have to happen all in one day. So we just need to figure out a way to make that all happen. And your social friends and all that, that's super important too. And so just kind of approaching it, because that basically says, because even for us adults, you you do need to self-regulate if you spend seven straight hours on a computer or on Zoom calls, you're fried at the end of that. And we're trying to help our kids regulate that. Go to the bathroom, eat, you know, have even your sleep cycles not be too off. I say to people, I would let kids sleep in an extra hour, maybe hour and a half. That's it though. You know, kids who, mm-hmm. who are sleeping mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, past noon, oh, that's all I keep hearing about are teens that are sleeping half the day. That's too far off. Exactly. And you have to, if you see them starting, you have to go in and you got to wake them up and you got to help them get back. I think that now we're seeing maybe the first week they were kind of into that or they were on spring break. Now it's, if you start seeing them fall asleep during the day, they get up and I get, you know, four o'clock there's, you you know, it's like, wake them up. Like, no, you got to go to bed earlier. And in the book, what's helpful is I share uh, parental controls that takes a lot of the fight out of it. You can schedule the parental controls. They won't like it at first, but that's so helpful. Like, okay, this is the block, you know, phones all go down at this time. So you can say, okay, your phone goes down at 10 o'clock, depending upon their age or nine o'clock or eight o'clock, whatever you decide, but you can turn them off. And that really takes a lot of the angst out of it. And they're easy to use. These aren't hard controls to use. 
I would say that was one of the things I was going to ask you about was parental controls and security apps. Um, it seems like there's things that are changing often and a lot of parents are intimidated by technology and devices. So I guess what you're here to say is that they are accessible, they are user-friendly, that we should work on our uncomfortable levels with with these things because they are actually really helpful. Yes. And they will actually create more peace in your home because when your kid, they know that they go down, you know, at a certain time at night or during homework time, which now is school time, your phone's going to turn off for two hours. Then they just know that's going to happen at first. They don't like it, but then they start saying, huh, you know, this isn't so bad. I actually need this. I actually feel more peaceful. I actually feel calmer. Great. Thank you so much for being on today. Is there anything else that you feel like you really just want to share with people right now, especially during this crisis? I want to share encouragement. I want to say it's impossible to do it all. There's no way that we can do it all. And moms are feeling like they're failing right now. They're feeling discouraged. And I mean, this is a time like no other time, as we know, but we do something to ourselves where we feel like we should be able, we should, we should, we should. And I just want to say, pick your battles. Think about in a month from now or six months from now. I mean, we really, it's a time of uncertainty, which is difficult to sit in. We don't know what this is going to look like or how long, but think about a year from now. How do you want to look back on this time and remember it? Do you want to be remembering it you know, as a a time where it was difficult and not that it isn't difficult, but do you want to think of it as a time like, wow, we connected and we had more dinners together or whatever that is to think of it in a proactive way that there can be good things that can come out of it. I think for everyone hearing that, remember the way our memories are formed. So if you're thinking, oh man, I'm listening to this and we just had a terrible morning. I just had terrible, awful night with my spouse or my kids, just remember memories aren't about every little microsecond. They're really about just the general feel and experience. So that doesn't mean when Cheryl says that, how do you want to remember this time that every minute of it had to be so incredibly (laughs) amazing? It just means that overall, I know for me, I want my kids to think back and say, you know, my mom made it fun. My mom was you know, a good homeschool teacher. We kind of liked it. We like got to watch extra shows and blah, blah, blah. Like I kind of, I hope that they look back and think of some of the positive memories, but that doesn't mean that every day or every minute of each day was positive. So, well, and I think that comes with be kind to yourself, be compassionate towards yourself, take care of yourself. If your kid won't go walk with you, go take a walk. Yeah, I'll take a walk by yourself because we really need to take care of ourselves and be kind to ourselves in this process. And then our kids will benefit. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. Cheryl's PodCouch. Please rate and review this episode and share with anyone who you think would benefit from it. And to stay connected, please subscribe. Episodes are released every two weeks. Take care.